Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Ah, so this is coming out on October 3rd. The full moon was yesterday. And what an intense time. It just seems like it keeps getting more intense. And so I want to check in with you. How are you doing with the intensity? How are you doing with your self-care? How are you doing at removing yourself from your phone and the news and getting out in the earth and grounding yourself in grass and and connecting with soul family, people that you really love and care for and doing the things that remind you that everything's okay. And I know you may hear that and say, well, Christine, everything's not okay. The world's a mess. And there's truth to that. But in this moment, in this very, very moment, just take a breath and say to yourself, I'm okay, I'm safe, and everything's okay. Because from my point of view, in order to ride this intense wave and in order to make the changes that we're really being called forward to make, if we're in freak out panic mode, not going to be great. I'm thinking now of situations in my life that have been intense or scary. And when I've panicked, (laughs) I didn't respond so well because my brain wasn't working the way it needed to be. And I was more reactive than responsive. But in situations where I've been responding, but from a calm place, not from a freaked out place, I've been able to handle things better. And I learn a lot from my husband in this respect. He has an incredible gift for staying calm in dangerous or intense situations. And I see firsthand his ability to respond with the the most aligned action, the action that in any given situation is going to create the best results. And so I encourage all of you, once again, take action where you feel where you know action needs to be taken and just make sure you're balancing that out from withdrawing from the intensity of the world or even the intensity of your own life. I know so many of you are just dealing with so much right now. And just taking those moments, taking those pauses, I think the best place to do it is outside in nature and just one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly. I'm safe in this moment. Everything's okay. I'm okay. And just find those nervous system pauses because this year just keeps testing and testing and testing how much we can handle. I've never seen so much fear and anger ignited in a year. And of course, that's creating so much divisiveness. And the more you can come back to your own humanity, your own presence, that own sense of safety inside, the more you'll be able to see the world less through judgment and more through observation and compassion. And please know when I say seeing the world through observation and compassion doesn't mean you ignore things that are downright wrong. What it does mean is that you can respond and see those things without such heightened emotions and heightened reactions because that's what amps up your nervous system and gets you more in that reactive place and that truly responsive place. Empathy, compassion is huge right now, first for ourselves and then for others in the world. 
Again, that doesn't mean excusing things that are wrong and that upset you. It just means taking off the charge. It's sort of like forgiveness. You've heard me talk about forgiveness so much on this show. Forgiving someone that hurt you doesn't mean you're condoning it. It doesn't mean, oh, you broke my heart. Oh, you abused me. Oh, you betrayed me. It's okay. I forgive you. You you were hurt too. You were doing the best you could. I forgive you. You're off the hook. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is I am letting go of the anger and the hurt and the pain and the intensity that I'm holding inside because of what you did. So I forgive myself for judging you as having the ability to hurt or harm me. I'm taking back my power. Forgiveness is about freeing ourselves, not condoning someone else's behavior. Empathy and compassion fall in the same bucket. It's not condoning things that are going on, but it's able to see it through a less reactive, less upsetting, less intense lens so that one, your nervous system isn't totally rattled by it. And two, you can respond differently. And three, you're part of the massive community (laughs) that is working to shift the consciousness on the planet because we're not going to, said this a million times, I'll say it again, we won't create the lasting changes that so many of us see and desire and want right now without a shift in consciousness. Just won't happen. You know that's true in your own life. You haven't been able to make big, big, big changes in your life without shifting your own consciousness. So I wanted to balance out the intensity that we're all feeling right now with a interview that's focused on the heart and focused on love. My guest today is Emily Pereira, and I've known Emily for a number of years. We met back in LA and we lost touch for a while and we reconnected and it was so amazing to see the shifts that have happened in her life. So we talk a lot about getting over heartbreak, leaving safe, successful lives that are often toxic and finding love and happiness in unexpected places. And although Emily specializes in helping women call in their love of their life in male form, this episode is wonderful for anyone looking for love in whatever form that comes in for you, because it really doesn't matter what our sexual orientation is, what gender we're looking for. We're all looking for bottom line, the same thing. We want someone that sees us, that accepts us, and that feels like home. Let me tell you a little bit more about Emily. She's an international retreat leader, yoga teacher, and women's coach specializing in helping women call in intimate, heart-thumping, passionate relationships. Her raw, vulnerable storytelling laced with mind-blowing ahas about women's empowerment have reached over 5 million people worldwide. She's written for some of the biggest media outlets of our generation, and her first book, a memoir, The Quest from Hollywood Hills to the Amazon Jungle, A Woman's Search for Enough, will be released November 10th. I know you're going to want to go and grab that book. 
And I have something for you that you can get in the meantime, because Emily also is hosting the Quest for Love Summit, which is a seven-day virtual experience curated to help you discover the secrets to wild attraction, cosmic connection, and committed devotion. So that's, she's interviewed tons of people on love and relationship, including me and Steph. You can join for free at thequestforlovesummit.com, and that link will be in the show notes. Emily lives in a seaside village in Costa Rica, which is pretty cool, with her husband and her two small children, where together they founded the Sunrise Mountain Retreat and Wellness Center. I think you'll enjoy this uplifting and heart-opening conversation with Emily. Emily, thanks for joining me. It's so awesome to be reconnected to you because we connected for the first time, what, like 10 years ago, something like that more. I can't remember. I know it's been a while. Yeah, but we, we've reconnected over just being in similar places in our life, finding love a little later in life. But on the interview I did with you, which we'll talk about in a moment, we both kind of laughed at like, how come later in your thirties, or early forties, it's considered later in life. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's prime time. I know if we live to be, I don't know, 50, then maybe, but it seems kind of funny to me, but it just kind of goes to the societal expectations of when we quote unquote should find our partner and get married. And I know you are so passionate about love and you have a summit coming up that, that Steph and I were honored to be a part of called the quest for love summit. I'd love to know what inspired you doing this summit. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on your incredible show. One of my very favorite podcasts. Mm, And um, yes, it's so fun to be connected after all of these years. Yes, the quest for love came to me as an inspiration because I am a coach for women who want to call love into their lives. And I just see so many people struggling along this quest. And I know that many of us that are in this space doing this work, we also struggled for many years and we, we did deep work where we, you know, had shifts in perspectives and let go of patterns that weren't serving. And I thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool to bring, you know, a collective of thought leaders and love coaches and therapists and relationship experts all together, um, and, and really dive into these questions about, you know, what these different themes, what is it that makes a woman wildly attractive? You know, how do we thrive in that container of long-term partnership? And even, you know, for those who are not in relationship, how do we enter that infinite field of self-love so we can really enjoy and thrive in our lives when we're waiting to call in that soulmate? Mm, I love that. And will you share a little bit of your story Because I think the last time I saw you, you were in your previous relationship. And I know that was a big catalyst to what you do now. Actually, I want to rewind a little bit. So I had a roller coaster of of a love journey and a love story. So I was in a very um, long-term relationship in my 20s for for six years. And I the the guy that I thought I was going to get the ring from, you know, we had all the same group of friends. We lived together and there was a, a shock breakup when I found out that he cheated on me and my life sort of went you know, just crumbled before my eyes. But now I look back on that with 
such gratitude because that was the very thing that sent me on the spiritual path. And um, a few years then into my spiritual path, I met and married a man that I was married to for just two years. And then he walked out the door and I basically got ghosted by my husband. And again, at the time, so debilitating, couldn't get out of bed, you know, binge watching Game of Thrones and eating hummus and carrots and just thinking hummus my life and carrots is, over. is a pretty good binging choice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's all I wanted at that time for some reason, uh, which is so hilarious. And um, and so I was doing the deep work on myself for many years. I mean, we're going on like 10 years at this point. And I, I had to let go of so many false beliefs and myths that I bought into about love. And it was right before my 30th birthday. Actually, it was a couple months before my 38th birthday, and I had been leading retreats for women at that point. And we were in Costa Rica on a retreat, and I was sitting on my surfboard the last day of the retreat, and just the sky was exploding over me, and there's just this beautiful, delicious, warm breeze tickling my skin. And I just was like, I'm never happier than I am when I'm in Costa Rica. And I whispered to the wind, just, I mean, this wasn't even that intentional, but obviously it was an intention. I was like, I don't, I don't know how and I don't know when, but I'm going to live here someday. And so fast forward to right before my 38th birthday, I didn't really have much going on. Sorry, that's my little baby suckling in the background. Um, it's very, very I didn't sweet. Have, <laughs> I have a, a newborn baby boy. Um, and so I booked a trip to Costa Rica, a solo mission. And I was like, you know, I'm going to write. I was finishing my book. I'm going to surf and I'm just going to go have an adventure. And so I actually went back to a town in Costa Rica called Santa Teresa that I hadn't been to in 16 years. And I, in all of my travels, ever since I graduated from college, I've been many places around the world. I always remembered this place as my favorite place. And so I came back to this town and I, you know, just had, it had changed obviously a lot in 16 years, but in my opinion changed for the better. Cause now there's all these beautiful organic cafes and super international community. And so I just had a really um, warm welcoming from the town. And for two weeks, I was just kind of dancing about, having fun, surfing, getting to know people. And one day I was on my way walking to the beach and I found myself paralyzed at the edge of the path, looking out to the ocean. And I'm a pretty decisive person and I just go for it. And this day I was really just stopped in my tracks. It was like I had an angel on one shoulder going like, you got this girl, you go. And then on the other shoulder, it was like, you're going to die. Those waves are huge. What are you doing? <laughs> and so I just was, you know, frozen in indecision. And all of a sudden, probably like 10 minutes later, these two guys walk up and this one guy says to me, how does it look in this French accent? And, you know, I kind of trying to play it cool. So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. just a little bit windy. And he's like, I think it would be good. And something mm. about the way he said that kind of made me feel like he was inviting me to mm. come. And I just needed that little encouragement of like, there's going to be someone else in the ocean because there was mm -hmm. nobody else out there. And so I trailed behind him and we get out there and we start chatting. And in his version of the story is once he got out to the waves, he was like, oh my goodness, these waves are huge. She's never going to get out past the line with her longboard. And... Sure enough, though, he was right. After after about a half an hour, the wind died down and the waves got super glassy and it was a beautiful evening. And we, we just kept chatting. We kept catching waves and, and paddling back to the same spot. 
And he asked, ended up asking me out to dinner. And that night he came to pick me up. And I just, I remember this so clearly. He came on his motorcycle and it was like French on the top, like this beautiful, nice collared shirt. And then like shorts and no shoes on his motorcycle. <laughs> Costa Rica on the bottom. <laughs> and he took me out to this really lovely dinner and we just hit it off. And he came back to my hotel and I played him songs on my guitar. And then just for the rest, every day he would show up at my place, um, you know, to take me surfing every morning. Mm. And we ended up having a whirlwind two week, two and a half week long romance. He convinced me to extend my ticket and we went on a surf trip all around the country together. Wow. And then when he dropped me off at the little puddle jumper airport in Puerto Jimenez, which is in a different part of Costa Rica, he said kind of in his broken English, his, his English wasn't that strong at the time. We were kind of having this combination of like English and Spanish mm-hmm. um, as our as our mode of communication. He said, darling, I know from when I work in the restaurant, the man, the man, he know exactly what he wants. He said, I have the chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. And the woman, the woman, she said, I have the chocolate cake. No, no, I want the pineapple thing. And then as you're walking away, she said, no, no, I want the ice cream. <laughs> so, so I know the woman, she changed her mind. So you want, you go home, you think about it. You come back, we make a baby. <laughs> <laughs> And I just burst out laughing. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this guy for real? Like, you know, I had so many like LA, you know, romances that turned into ghosting and just weird situations. I was like, clear. Yeah. Uh Totally. I was like, okay. So I was, I didn't take it totally seriously, but I, but it kind of was like, okay, I'm thinking about this. And I go back to my bungalow in Venice, which was this beautiful bungalow with all the, like the lovely art and furniture and clothes I'd been collecting for the past 16 years of living in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and having this like big career and everything. And, you know, the best way I can describe it is that life all of a sudden felt like a stale cracker. Mm-hmm. Like, like Costa Rica felt like a juicy papaya and not mm-hmm. felt like a stale cracker. Like it just, I was like, this, this stuff, my stuff suddenly felt heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I just wanted like, I wanted the salty spray of, you know, in my hair and getting up at dawn and going surfing and just sand in my toes and being barefoot. And I really wanted the adventure. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't 100% sure like this is the one, but I was like, at the very least, he's going to be a beautiful catalyst. Mm-hmm. And at the most, he's going to be my life partner. Mm. And and so I slept on it because I can tend to be a bit impulsive. So I slept on it for seven nights because seven is my number. And I just kept waking up and being like, no, that still feels right. That still feels aligned. And so on the seventh day, I called him up and I said, hey, are Disco and I still invited to come live with you in the jungle? Disco's my dog. And he was like, of course, darling, we're waiting for you. (laughs) And um, that was four years ago. That's four and a half years ago now. And now I'm here in Santa Teresa and we have two children and we're where we built a retreat and wellness center and we, yeah, it's been, it's been a beautiful wild ride. Really. That's incredible. That's incredible. I love it so much. And I'm, you know, I know a lot of people ask me too about my love story and for people that, you know, really are calling in their partner, whether that be a man or a woman, or they're open to whatever gender is their perfect fit. What do you think was some of the key things that shifted inside of you that made you available to this kind of love? Because I know, especially after we go to a carrot and hummus binging kind of breakup, 
it can be harder. We can sometimes put walls around our heart. It can reinforce negative beliefs we already have about ourselves. So what were some of the key things you did that really made you open to love and to available to this kind of massive life change? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think one of the very first most fundamental things that, that has helped me you know, kind of move through any dark point in life and still like land on a new horizon again and again is taking radical personal responsibility for everything. So really understanding life is not happening to you. Life is happening for you because both of those guys, you know, the guy in my twenties cheating on me and the guy, my, my husband, both of them leaving, I do believe spiritually, energetically, I created, even though I couldn't see it at the time on an, on a subconscious level, I, the alignment had changed. The alignment had changed really with my ex-husband. I went into that relationship on one alignment and had a massive creative awakening while we were married, which I'm deeply grateful to him for helping me to make me feel so safe and so secure that I could break through so fantastically in my creativity. But that, that really changed me at a very core level. Mm. And so no longer did I want to like run around the planet and do all these things on an external level. I felt much, uh, a much more, a much deeper call to the internal where I wanted to write. I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to paint. I wanted to dance. I wanted to do these things that really filled me up inside instead of the alignment that we created where we love to go to parties and go to concerts and all of these things. So our alignment changes changed on a very fundamental level. And I wanted to go much deeper on the spiritual path than he really did. Mm. And so again, that was, that became a gift. So once I you know, really holding that true that life is not happening to you, but life is happening for you allows us to maintain that vibrational frequency of gratitude, right? Because if you're receiving a gift, you're grateful for that gift. And so, um, that allowed me to retain a sense of hope and a certain vibration that still allowed me to magnetize abundance into my life. And I think, and my younger, my younger self was constantly looking for someone to come and save me, someone to come into my life and like, make it okay, make it all right, make me feel like I was enough. And so getting married and getting that ring on my finger and realizing like, okay, like, this is great. And I'm happy I'm in this partnership, but this didn't really change the way that I feel about myself, knowing I was totally fine being a single woman. That was actually a huge piece of it. Because I think when we're putting out, we hold that desire in our hearts to create relationship, but it's not coming from that place of lack. Like I need this to be okay. That's a much different vibrational frequency for attracting um, that partner that's really aligned into your life. And I want to just go back a little bit because I think that focusing on gratitude and, and all of that is incredibly important. And it's, it's, it's the other side of the coin of being able to really be aware of our past and be aware of our past wounding and how it impacts us. And, you know, that, that man coming to save you, I'm wondering in your journey, when you unpacked your, your childhood and adolescence, what were some of the things that you had to, to look at that were bringing in the kind of men that you were attracting? Oh my gosh. Well, growing up, my dad was just like my hero. You know, he was just like, there was just such a, a love and just, uh, that he's sort of the savior of, of me. And, and he, I made him so senior to me. You know, I really had this belief, this deep indoctrinated belief that men are senior 
And that I don't know if that came from the patriarchy, you know, just the overarching culture or just the, the dynamic in my family. You know, my dad kind of held the, the wealth in our family. And um, so it's sort of like I, I could work hard, but like really a, a large amount of wealth was only going to come from a man. And on some level that was going to also take care of me. Um, and so I think that was part of it. And, and just sort of accepting somewhere along the line that I'm not good enough just as I am. I need to somehow be coupled up in a relationship to be enough to be worthy. I think that's a huge one for so many people, so many people, men, women, gay, straight. It, 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 that's just, I think one of the things is we, we always outsource our worth in a relationship or a job or in having a certain kind of body or whatever it may be. And when we really get into that place of self-love, which isn't, you know, for me, self-love isn't, I walk around in complete self-acceptance all the time and I love every single thing about myself. I have moments like that, but really self-love is to me realizing when I'm criticizing myself, when I'm outsourcing my worth, realizing when I'm getting off track, realizing when I'm not being that amazing partner and parent to myself and asking in that moment, you know, what do I need? So I think a lot of times there's this expectation that in order to love yourself, you have to be a certain way all the time, which is not true at all. I mean, you're, you're a parent, you love your, your two children unconditionally, I'm sure. And I'm sure there are moments when you're like, oh my gosh, you're driving me crazy (laughs) because that's just the, the essence of being human. Oh, absolutely. And you know, and you know, from the, the summit that, that I interviewed you for, that's coming up the quest for love summit, we talk about what makes a woman wildly attractive. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I really believe it comes from this incredible sense of confidence. But if we unpack confidence, like what is that? You know, we've been sold this narrative that like confidence comes from like number in the bank, number on the scale and number of followers. And that couldn't be further from the truth. It really comes from this acceptance that I might not be a hundred. I might not feel like I'm a hundred percent enough all of the time, but I'm just going to accept that I'm a work in progress. And those are the moments when I need to give myself a little extra nurturing and a little extra love. I love that. And what do you think is the thing that trips, um, women and we can open it up to all people, but I know that, you know, your experience was that of a heterosexual woman. What do you think really trips people up on, on their quest to love? What gets in our way? I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way is thinking that there's a Prince Charming coming to save you, Mm. Mm -hmm. right? Because we've all been sort of like programmed with that narrative from such a young age. You know, the white horse, the picket fence, you know, maybe it's Mr. Gray and Fifty Shades, you know, you know, you get the picture, you know, it's like we've been sold on even Sex in the City, you know, I was like so raised on that in college, you know, like we've been sold on Mr. Big coming in his Brooks Brothers suit, you know, royal armor to save the day. And, you know, really the, the truth is, is when you come into your full feminine magnetic power, what I like to call, you know, the radiant woman, this idea of someone else saving you like really seems really funny. (laughs) Yeah, no, it really does. It really, really does. You know, and the truth is, is he may come, you know, Mr. Brooks Brothers very well may come calling, um, you know, if that's your jam or you might be swept up by a guy, you know, on a motorcycle on a dusty road like I was. Um, 
but when you, you know, rise into your power, you get to meet him as your match, you know, not yeah. this damsel in distress. Yeah. And this is really the difference between a short-term fling or a long-term juicy sacred partnership. Right. And this is like, that's when lightning feels like it's striking in just the most beautiful way. I know because, you know, I felt it. I know you felt it with Steph. And so this Prince Charming myth, you know, this idea that this guy is going to, you know, come and love you and save you. What it really does is it keeps us in a holding pattern. Yep. You know, and so years are going to roll by and you remain lonely and enslaved in this like, like unnerving waiting game. And, you know, because you're out of action. And so taking action, you know, putting one, you know, sometimes big step in front of the other on the quest for love is allowing yourself to admit you have the desire for this is really what starts to, you know, change things for people and, and doesn't keep them stuck waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And what can we do in the waiting, Emily, to make it not so, cause I see so many women just put their life on hold. Just completely put their life on hold. And it makes me sad (laughs) because it's like, don't put your life on hold. You know, there's, there's so much that we can discover in, in, in between time. So I'm curious what tips you have for the people that really, really desire relationship. And, you know, I, I remember like waiting to go on certain trips or waiting to do X, Y, Z because I wanted to do it with a partner. And finally, when I was working on my own calling him in program, I was like, no, no more waiting. I'm taking that trip to that island in Bali and I'm going to stay in that suite by myself. (laughs) And I started doing more and more of those things. So what are some of the things that you think we should do or that are helpful to do in the calling in period? Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm so happy to hear you took yourself on that trip. I would say solo adventures are so amazing. They're so incredible. They're so empowering. Yes, they are scary, but that's the beauty of it. You know, you are going to the outside of your comfort zone where the magic happens and something really cool happens when you solo travel you meet so many more people because when we travel with a friend, we, you know, people, it's not that people don't want to connect with you. They just look at you and they think, oh, she's with a friend. I don't want to bother her. But when you're by yourself, you get approached by so many people and you know that every single person that you're attracting into your orb is some mirror of you. So if it's like an incredible connection, you're like, woohoo. And if it's like a more challenging connection, you're like, okay, well, this person's obviously gifting me something about myself. That's a little bit more difficult for me to see. And that's moving you along on your healing journey as well. So solo travel, I love, and this requires a lot of permission. And I would say just permission in general, I have found in my own life and the women that I work with that when we give ourselves permission to do and try things that we are not necessarily good at, that we don't don't know how to do, that leads us to unlocking our passion. And every single one of us has innate passions that we came into this lifetime with. And those passions are not an accident. Those passions are the roadmap to delivering you to your purpose. And when you are living a life of passion and purpose, that is one of those magnetic, attractive, alluring, energetic frequencies that you can be putting out into the world. And not only that, it brings you a sense of peace. It brings you a sense of I'm connected to who I am, to why I'm here, what I'm doing here, which, which makes need and lack just roll off your shoulders. It makes you just be enthused and excited to wake up and meet your days. I know because I had 
I did not think I was a passionate, creative person until I was in my early thirties. And so I spent many a year looking outside of myself, holding myself in that waiting game, going out to bars, going out to places, looking, looking, looking for him. When in reality, if you turn that energy inward to find what lights you up inside, the guy can literally hang glide through your window. (laughs) That's so true. That's so true. And sometimes the universe I have found will hold that person off a little bit so you can enjoy yourself. And I felt like that was a big thing in me is is I shifted and I was ready and I was really enjoying my life and stuff didn't come in right away. I, it's like, I had this period of just loving my life so much and having a great time and having the longing without the suffering. So I think that it's, you know, a lot of people think they're doing it wrong or they're doing something wrong if they, they feel like they've gotten to this point and they are really happy, but he or she isn't coming in yet. So it's, we can't make the direct connection that it's because you haven't done something right. You know, the other person has their own timing as well. Like I know I was ready way way before Steph was, and you could just be having this period where a universe knows, you know what, look, you're going to be married soon. You're going to have two little ones soon. Enjoy, (laughs) like enjoy this time. Yes. And yeah, a time to kind of allow yourself to be self-realized because I mean, we're always self-realizing it's a, it's a journey obviously that never ends, but, um, but it does get, you, you have less time to focus yourself once you call in that partner and that family. Um, and so giving yourself, yeah, that, that indulge, I would just say to anyone that's in that place right now, enjoy, allow yourself to enjoy and know that it's not too late and you're not too old. Mm -hmm. Their alignment is alignment. That which is for you is not going to miss you. That's so true. It's so true. So, so true. Um, I'm curious too. So, your relationship and having kids was fast. And I think sometimes that we think there has to be a certain timeline to something. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about this, how the speed of connection when something is aligned, that, that time is kind of an illusion and not as relative as perhaps other things, you know, what are more important than, what are the things that are more important than time? Right. Absolutely. Oh no. Our timeline was so fast. I mean, like I said, it was like two and a half weeks before I got the invite to come create life in the jungle. And then we had one rendezvous in Mexico a month later. And then I went and I met him and his family in France that summer, um, to, we took a surf trip all through the South of France and then I moved here. So, and then one month later I was pregnant. So it was, um, it, it did happen very fast. And I think that that's the beauty of alignment, you know, and just as we become more conscious people, we start to just let go of the idea that there is a right way. You know, we have all these older stories and traditions, right? When it's around marriage, it's like, okay, you get engaged, you're engaged for a year, you have this many engagement parties, you have a shower, (laughs) you know? And once you um, sort of just start to let go of the rules and just kind of become this rebellious rule breaker, you realize you get to just chart your own quest. You get to make your own path. And that's when it's one of your own divine making. And that's when it feels really good. So for us, that was just the timeline that was in the stars for us. And I will say that it has not been without challenges because we have come from two very different upbringings, different cultures. And so, and even, you know, different, you know, English as many as third language. So we still have a solid amount of lost in translations per week. (laughs) It used to be like we'd have a lost in translation every day. Um, Mm. so, so there's been, um, 
a, a degree of, of challenges that come with sort of like jumping all in all mm-hmm. at once. But there's also this beautiful thing that like, we're in this, we're yeah. devoted, we're devoted to, um, you know, even through the challenges, we're going to, we're going to breathe through them. We're going to grow through them. We're going to hold each other's hands through them. And just mm. knowing that when you're in a conscious relationship, um, you're going to go through growth spurts at different times. And people are going to be on different planes of reality. Um, Christine, you know, you know, my healing journey, I struggled with chronic illness for many years as a result of freezing my eggs. And um, as a result of freezing your eggs, you still struggled from the illness. Yeah. So I got, so I froze my eggs after my divorce. And um, a week after I froze my eggs, I got the most debilitating chronic yeast infection that you could ever imagine. I didn't even know this could be classified as a yeast infection. I felt like I was being stabbed with a fireplace poker 24-7, seven days a week, you know, in my yoni. Um, So that's going to get your attention. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, I need to do something. So I was on all these different you know, I went on a, a radical healing journey with, you know, I thought it was a yeast infection. So I, so I went, did the candida diet. I did the keto diet. I did all of these different things. And it wasn't until I discovered the electrical foods of raw fruits and vegetables that I really healed my body. And so that actually created a huge division in my relationship because I have a man who is a French chef mm. who loves rich French, delicious food. And he's an incredible cook. And to him, his love language is cooking for his family. Mm. So I basically like pulled the rug out from underneath this really beautiful connection that we had eating all of these delicious foods. And it was really, we went through a very difficult phase, um, that I actually had some moments where I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to come back together on. Mm -hmm. And then he, he saw though, he saw, you know, and this is something that, you know, I coach women on too. It's like, if you found the spiritual path, if you've had a beautiful awakening or a growth spurt and your man is like, kind of has his head stuck in the sand or doesn't seem like he wants to come along, what do you do about that? Mm-hmm. Right. Because you found this new way that's really supporting you and really making you feel amazing and you want him to come. Well, the first thing I can tell you not to do is to tell him what to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to be told what to do. And so I had to just hold that space, which was just, you know, two ears and a loving heart and hold that space for him to do whatever he needed to do if he wanted. And I felt like he kind of went the other way in defiance. Like he started eating more red meat and drinking more wine and all of these things. I was going on like a raw vegan diet. Um, but eventually he saw how enlivened it was making me. He saw that I, I did actually heal my body after five years and $50,000 into this, you know, quest for health. Um, he saw this was the thing that actually really helped mm. me. And, and at 42, you know, got pregnant on my first try and had a very easy, seamless pregnancy and all of these things. And so he very quietly just, I saw him first, um, he made, he didn't even tell me he was doing it, but he quit alcohol, coffee, and weed. And Mm. and I noticed a big difference in that. And then a year later, he went vegan. And, And now we're even more aligned. And so it's just understanding that like that person is gonna catch up or they're not, you yeah. know, and if they're not, then you, you make that decision at the time, but you need to allow that space. You yeah. need to allow that compassion to, 
to really know and have that understanding that we're not going to grow at the same time all the time. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. Then that's a big thing. And, and Steph and I actually did a podcast episode about that. Um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, less than that. I can't really remember about how you get your partner to quote unquote change. And you definitely don't do it by telling them what to do. It's lead by example. And when, you know, and, and if they're going to wake up, that's the best way they're going to wake up. It's sort of like, if you overhear people talking about how amazing their food is and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. You're like, hmm, what are they having? That's much different than if someone sits down and tells you, you should have, you know, X, Y, Z entree. If you see someone exactly. enjoying the experience, you're, you're way more enrolled. Um, but I want to back up for a second because I know women listening have frozen their eggs. I have froze my eggs after my divorce as well. What do you think triggered the health crisis with that? You know, I think I was already, I had already had a history in my past of like chronic yeast infections Mm. and I, but I hadn't had one in a couple years, you know, like it wasn't, I I didn't think that was anything. And and when I took the birth control pill, that was something that was like a side effect that I would get. So Uh I don't know why I didn't put two and two together that like, oh, I'm injecting my body with all these hormones that are, you know, similar to like, you know, the level of hormones you take when you're taking the birth control pill. And so I don't, I think I was just kind of in a PTSD haze of my divorce (laughs) and, um, just feeling that pressure, you know, that pressure that I think we all feel that like, okay, I'm running out of time. And, um, and, and I wasn't, for me, it was more just like, I want to take my sweet time and really find an aligned partner. Not that like, I thought I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant. I just was like, okay, what if I meet him when I'm 45? Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to just, I don't want to have to feel rushed. And so that was my, um, inspiration for freezing my eggs. And, you know, I floated out of that procedure. I was like, this might be the greatest, (laughs) you know, step forward for womankind. You know, this is like really incredible to not have, not to not feel that pressure. Um, but then I got so, 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 so sick. Um, but again, truly looking back, that was for me because it led me to this lifestyle of the way that I eat now, which is about 70% fruit. And I can honestly say at 42, I haven't, I don't even think I had this much energy at 10. Mm, That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, and to women, you know, who have, we're all on our own journey and that didn't happen for me. In fact, it kind of helped me get my hormones back on track. So it's just, it's whatever it is, but I had a harder time with the actual procedure. So that was my lesson. So we all have our lessons. We all have our lessons. Yeah. And, and for the actual procedure, like the actual, like leading up with the hormones and stuff, I felt like I was like, I was so high on life. They made oh, me feel so good. Not me. I was like, <laughs> I know. What the heck? I mean, it's so different for every woman. And I, it's such a personal decision. I could never advise a woman any, any which way on that procedure because it's, it's it's too personal. And you didn't even need to use them. I don't think you did. No, no. I did not. I Mm -hmm. got easily, I got pregnant easily both times. And actually after I got so sick, I just let them go because I was like, I can't even bear the thought. Of, of putting my body through, through that. like a hormonal thing again. Yeah. 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 I get it. I get it. Well, last, some last questions here as we round up, how has being a mother transformed you? Oh my goodness. It is the ultimate spiritual, <laughs> the spiritual experience, right? You have, um, it, it's a true, it's a really big undertaking. I mean, you are, sh- you are such a big influence on these little, on these little, minds and hearts and ears that are, they're, they're watching every move. So it's just, it's calling you to step into the best version of yourself 
all of the time. And I have this little daughter who's three years old and she just doesn't miss a thing. You know, she's just, and it's, it's really an amazing thing. If I, if I say or do or teach her something, I'm watching her doing that, you know, just like a day later. And so just really, I'm so grateful that I'm an quote unquote older mother. I'm so grateful that I got to do all of the spiritual learning and went through all the trials and tribulations that I have gone through. Cause I feel like I actually do have really um, empowering things that I can offer her um, that I wish that I had when I was a little girl. And so I just, it's, it's just a very expansive experience. Um, not easy, not an easy experience. Um, it, it will pull on, on every part of you. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's all of the things people say the heart, my, my dad said he best worst job you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It's it that's what I hear every parent say. It's the most amazing thing and the hardest thing I've ever done. It really is. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a reason everybody says that because it really yeah. is. Um but it um it does it, it calls you more into your mission too because you just you want a, a a more loving beautiful world for them. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And what a world to bring children into now, huh? Right. I truly believe, though, that they the children came. that are coming in, mm-hmm. they know what's going on and mm-hmm. they have some wisdom, they have some insight, they have something to offer us, to help us. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's that too, thing, too, is, is getting out of your... On the one hand, yes, I have information that I can offer them. And at the same time, getting out of their way because they have wisdom. They have inspiration. It's like we're looking to them, you know, like, just watching the wide-eyed wonder that like my daughter approaches the world with presence that she has and the excitement over the tiniest little things. It just helps you yield again and be like, oh yeah, this place. I love being in this place. And so I think that children just, they have so much wisdom and so much to teach us. I love that. Well, speaking of wisdom, can you tell us about some of the other people that people will be learning from on the Quest for Love Summit and some of the topics you dive into and then how people can join? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. This, I feel like this summit was so divinely guided because the most beautiful spirits with so much wisdom have, have come to share what they have uncovered over the years. So we have, you know, some conscious couples like yourself and Steph, Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos. We have Libby Crow and Scott Olford. We have, um, beautiful individuals like Melissa Ambrosini and Mel Wells, Terry Cole, to name a few. These are like all my friends. I love it. I know. That's great. It's great. Well, I can vouch for all these people as well. Um, Yes. Many, many in the world. We have over 30 um, featured speakers. So there is a beautiful collective of people. So yes, so we dive into, you know, yes, those themes I was mentioning, what makes a woman wildly attractive and magnetic or a person, a person in general? Um, How do we really thrive in this container of long-term partnership? How do we keep it spicy? How do we keep it exciting and sensual and sexual, you know, um, over many years? Um, what does true intimacy, what is that really all about? How do we create that? Um, and how, how do we thrive when we're, when we're single? And, and we're in that place of, of waiting and wanting to call that in. So, and, that, and much, much more. But those are some of the big themes that, that we get into. So Emily, this, this summit is amazing. I'm so honored to be a part of it. I know that you walk your talk and are bringing so much information, inspiration, and integrity and love to this summit. So how can people participate? 
Absolutely. Yes. So they can sign up at the Quest for Love. You'll have the link below, I'm assuming. Yes. Yes. The link will be in the show notes, everybody. Okay. Fantastic. And yes, for signing up, you actually get um, a couple gifts. And one of those is the Discover Your Love Superpower Quiz, which is super fun. And the next is I actually have my book, which is called The Quest from the Hollywood Hills to the Amazon Jungle, One Woman's Search for Enough is coming out in November on November 10th. And you have the opportunity to download the first three chapters of my book if you want to do that as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Emily, for being a stand for love, for bringing this information together and for really inspiring us today with, we can really overcome anything, whether it's a broken heart or a body that's not well, there's, there's always love and healing available for us. Oh, thank you so much, Christine. It's such a pleasure to chat with you today. 